Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Very important you get these first words. If you don't get these first few words, you won't get the, the gist of the message. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. I'm going to stop right there. Verse one again. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. Notice it didn't say, now the Lord said unto Abram. There's a, uh, a theologian of sorts, and he, he has written several, um, art, not only articles, but books, and uh, passed away many years ago, but a lot of people read after him. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, just like everything you're going to read, you won't agree with everything people write, but I challenge you sometimes to read things that'll challenge you because um, the worst thing about this living a Christian life is when, when, when we're never challenged, we'll never grow in our faith. And there's a lot of great people out there that, that uh, may not have all the X's and O's like we do or like you do. Hey, I got, I got news for you. Not everybody in this church believes the same. We have a lot of different backgrounds and denominations that come under this roof every service. But you know what? It works. You know why? Because when we come in here, we only focus on one thing, and that's Jesus. And so when, when people talk about Jesus and they say things about Jesus and, and quote things about Jesus and, and, and say things that will influence your life, I, I, make it, I mark it down. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, that obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Why would he say that? Because obedience, obedience takes information and turns it into transformation. You all receive information every service. But if you don't act on that information, then it'll never change your life. You read the Bible every day, I pray you do. In that holy word has tons of information. Information that when we act upon that, it'll transform our life. And so I can understand why Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Because sometimes a hundred sermons can be preached and give you great information, but that information is never obeyed, thus it never transforms us. Obedience takes information and turns it into transformation. Obedience is imperative to the Christian life. Would you agree to that? Without obedience to God, 
We will, we will cease to have faith in our life. I, th- I think it was, it's actually in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, that it says, uh, Samuel himself speaking, that obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus saying that there will be those that will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, and they will not be able to enter in into the kingdom of God. But he said, except those that do the will of the Father. Acts 5, 29, the prophets of God are, and the apostles of God are, are under attack. And Peter, and amongst all those people that are attacking them, says it's better to obey God than to obey man. James 1.22 puts it this way, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And we, and we can go from here until Jesus comes back preaching you message uh, and message and giving you verse of scripture about obedience. But may I remind you tonight, obedience is a key to having faith. And let me, let me say this about faith. Faith is not what we are persuaded to believe. Faith is what we act on because we believe. For instance, if you believe and have faith that God's going to give you a job, the worst thing you can do is sit at your house and do nothing. That's not faith. Faith says, Lord, I believe you're going to give me a job. So when I get home, I'm going to type up my resume and I'm going to make about a hundred copies and I'm going to beat the streets and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to pass those out knowing that God can touch somebody's heart to give me a job. Now we all know that ain't happening right now, right? (laughs) People are looking for employers, uh, employment, uh, excuse me, employers are looking for people to work for them. So we know that ain't happening, but that's just an example. But faith has action applied to it. And so, one of the most difficult and the most, the greatest lessons of faith, I think, in Scripture is found here in Genesis chapter 12. Notice, first of all, in, in verse 1, notice the call of Abram. Remember what I said and I pointed it out to you? Now the Lord had said unto Abram. It did not say, now the Lord said unto Abram. So what does this imply? It implies that Genesis 12 is not the original call of Abram from God. It implies that Genesis 12 is Abram's response to God's call. You say, why would you say that? Because of what the Bible says. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. If it was in the present tense, if this was the first time that God had called upon Abram, it would have said, now the Lord said, but it didn't. It said the Lord had said. So that brings to my mind, I don't know if it does to yours, since maybe this is the first time you're thinking about this, but to my mind, where's the first time that Abram was called, right? That seems to be the logical question. Well, we find that in Acts chapter seven. Turn with me to Acts chapter seven. Turn with me real quick to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. This is Stephen speaking here. Acts chapter 7. Stephen gives us the answer 
of the first time that God spoke to Abram. In verse two, and he, meaning Stephen, said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. So right there, Stephen gives us the answer of the first time that God spoke to Abram. It was in Mesopotamia. Now that may not seem like a lot to you, but you have to understand what Mesopotamia is. Mesopotamia in the New Testament is actually the Ur of Chaldees in the Old Testament. And if you know your Bible, all you gotta do is go back to Genesis chapter 11 and find that Abram was born in the Ur of Chaldees. Have you ever thought about this? Abraham was not born a Jew. He was born a Chaldean. So God took where he was when he was born and changed him and transformed his life. He was born one nationality and he died another nationality. Now you say, well, Brian, you have to have a point to this. I do, if you just stay with me, I promise it'll be really good. He was born in the Ur of Chaldees. When you begin to study the Chaldeans, you'll find that the Chaldeans were polytheistic. Now that's a big term, but what that simply means is they worshiped many gods. Many gods. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? People say they only serve one God, but their life certainly doesn't match up to that, does it? But the Chaldeans were polytheistic. That means they served and worshiped many gods. And so if we understand that Abram was born a Chaldean, that means he was raised under a polytheistic religion. That means he worshiped and was raised to worship many gods. Now think about this. Remember Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. That means God had to speak to Abram previously to Genesis chapter 12. Stephen tells us in Mesopotamia is when God first spoke to Abram. Where's Mesopotamia? It's in the Ur of Chaldees. That means while he was in the middle of serving and worshiping polytheism and serving many gods, God spoke to him. Now you say, what does that have to do with me? I am so glad you asked. While Abram was still in the midst of sin, God spoke to him in the middle of his sinful life and he called him out. Kind of sounds like me and you, doesn't it? It does. It teaches us. Here's what it teaches us. There's no life or no lifestyle that's out of the reach of God. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned or how deep in sin you may be. Hallelujah. Abraham didn't know who God was. He never heard him before. But thank God when he spoke to him, he spoke to him in the midst of his sin. And I don't know about you, but when I was in sin, I'm glad I had a God that spoke to me. It's good preaching. Mother, father, don't ever give up on your children. They are not too far in sin that God can't reach them. In fact, you can't sin enough that the reach of God can't get to you. His arm is not short and his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear your cry. 
I'm thankful for that. Some of you thought you were in that place where you were so far out and so deep that you can never get out of that pit, but aren't you glad that God spoke to you in the midst of your depravity, in the midst of your evilness, in the midst of you serving all these gods of this world? Aren't you glad he spoke to you and called you? Hallelujah. He called him. Why did he call him? Why did he call Abram? He's sovereign. He can call whoever he wants to call. He chooses who to call. And you might say, well, who, who is these people that he calls? I'll tell you, it's everyone. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if you ever get around, young people, middle-aged, senior saints alike, if you ever get around anybody that'll tell you that God only chooses a certain group of people, they are lying, that is not biblical, that is not doctrine. I'm thankful that not only in the Old Testament, but in the New, it says that whosoever can come and take of the water of life, I'm glad I'm a whosoever, and I'm glad he called me. No, he don't have to. He's sovereign. He don't have to call me. He don't have to choose you, but he did. But why did he call Abram? We, we know why he, why he called Ab- what he called Abram for, but why did he call Abram? Think, think about this. We know why he called, what, what he called Mary, the mother of Jesus. We know what he called her for, to give birth to the Savior. But why did he choose Mary? Why did he choose Why did he choose Abram? I'll tell you why. God chooses who he wants to choose in spite of their past, in spite of their present, and in spite of their future. God chooses to call. And aren't you thankful that no matter how others look at us and perceive us, God calls each one of us to come out of our sin and come to know him. Aren't you thankful for that? The call. And secondly, notice the condition. The condition. So, so we understand. He called him in the middle of his polytheistic lifestyle. He called him out of that sin-cursed world that he was living in. And now he's, he said, I'm calling you out of this. And here's what I want you to do. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. There's the condition. He says, Abram, I'm calling you away. I'm calling you out and get away from that country. Get away from your family. He didn't say get away from your father. He said, get away from your father's house. And I'll point this out here in just a second. What was was he saying to Abram? He was saying, you're going to follow me. I will bless thee. I will make thee great. But here's the condition. You have to sacrifice your present so I can give you a future. You have to sacrifice your present so I can give you a future. What was he saying? He said, Abram, you have to take your hands off what you have now so I can give you something better. 
If God would tell us to let go of our past, we would let go of it yesterday. But most of us, we want the future God promises, but we want what we have now too. When it comes to living this life for God, you can't have now and not yet at the same time. I'll say that again. When you're living for God, you can't have now and not yet at the same time. What do you mean by that? What I mean is you have to be willing to take hands, your hands off what you're holding on to now to let God give you a better future. Now think about what, what you say, Brian, why is this such a great test of faith? Here's what he asked him to give up. Leave your country. That's his residence. Leave your kindred. That's his relationships. And then leave your father's house. That's his resources. He said, I want you to leave your house. I want you to leave all your family. And I want you to leave all your possessions that's coming to you. But he said, here's what's going to happen, Abram. If you're willing to sacrifice your future, I'm going to take your present. And I'm going to turn it into something that no one has ever seen before. I'm going to bless you. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to bless you so much, I'm going to bless them to bless you. (laughs) I will make thee a great nation. Can you imagine what this world would be like if Abram would have not obeyed the Lord? Things would have been so much different. But he chose to follow God even though he didn't know where he was going. (laughs) He He didn't really know the God that was speaking to him. He didn't know where he was going and he didn't know what he was going to. But thank God all he knew was that somebody spoke to him and he had to follow. The call, the condition. He followed God even though he was going to a place he'd never been. He followed a God he didn't know. And he was going to experience and never get a purpose. He would never see the, the fulfillment of the purpose that God had in his life. Think about that. He says, I will make thee a great nation. Abraham would never see that accomplished. Yet he was still willing to follow God. That's why this is a level of faith we have never seen before. Why would you say that? Because most of us want everything laid out before us and know what we're going to get before we take the first step. You ever notice this? Sometimes God will tell you what's going to happen and give you victory, but yet he won't tell you what it's going to take to get there. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless thee. I'll make your name great. But Abram had no idea what he would face from that point until those things were accomplished. Sometimes God promises that he will provide our needs. He will take care of us. He will heal us. He will save our family. He gives us the victory and he gives us the conclusion of the matter, but we don't know what's going to happen from now until that's accomplished. That's why it's a great test of faith. 
serving God with missing information. How many of you are willing to do that? God said go, and so he did. But I said all that to say this. Third, notice the consequence. Why in the world did Abram even follow God in the first place? Why? Why? Here's what I think. Remember, he was, from, he was a Chaldean. They worshiped and they spoke to many gods. Polytheism is, is like so many religions of the world. They worship things. Remember the, the, the idols of Baal? Whenever the, the Baal worshipers were worshiping God with Elijah, and they began to cut themselves and cry out to God, try to their God. Elijah said, you may want to talk a little louder. He may not hear you. They were worshiping a God that would never speak to them. Abram, up until the time God spoke to him, had worshiped and called out to God after God after God after God. But not one time did he hear anything back until in the midst of that sin-cursed world, he heard a voice unlike any other. (laughs) That's why he chose to follow the one and true living God because he heard a voice that he had never heard before. He had called out and worshiped all those other gods. Not one of them spoke back, but thank God the God of heaven spoke to him one time and through his sovereignty and through his grace, he said, Abram, if you go, I'm gonna bless you. Hallelujah. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you, but you gotta be willing to follow me. And the consequences are still the same. Abram did not let his reality mess up the revelation that God had showed him. He didn't let his current situation dictate what God had spoken to his heart about. And if I would have any any, uh, encouragement to you tonight, I think I'm speaking to some people that God has spoken to and given them answers and given them victory in their soul over, over a matter in their life. But yet your current situation and the reality and the present that you're in speaks contrary to what God has promised you. May I encourage you tonight, keep following the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the one that you found faithful, the one that you found that's always been there. Because I promise you, God's word is true. And if he has said it, it is settled. And no devil in hell can keep her from happening. We just have to be willing to accept the revelation in spite of our reality.